Welcome to Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Bush, where do you stand on puns? No, I'm not a massive fan of puns. I, I, I don't want to have a pop at anyone, but I, I believe uh, the, the younger generations rely too heavily on puns. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they do. Um, um, you know how sometimes in this building we'll, we'll go out to the kitchen and there's, there's been a meeting, been a meeting that's gone on and they've, they've, they've got in bits and bobs to uh, entertain the people that have been in for the meeting and then sometimes there'll be food left over. Uh, and that food that gets left over just gets left out for people that casually make their way through the kitchen. That's happened today. Um, I've got some bits here of two wraps that have been left. I want you to mark the titles of these wraps out of five. Okay. When Harry Met Salmon. Oh, my, that's that's winding me up. I can give that one out of five. Smoked salmon, cucumber, avocado, spinach wrap. All right, see if this one does better. (laughs) Vegan Work It Out. Is that making anyone else angry? It makes me angry. (laughs) I hate that. Here's the podcast. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. Uh, It's Richie in the studio today. It is uh, Bush at home today. Uh, It's probably probably a good job job there's distance between us today uh, because uh, between the two of us, I have been subject to quite some abuse for an activity that I got up to this morning. Honestly, I've been so desperate to tell everyone about this, right? So let's just set the scene. Let me set the scene. It's been a busy week or so. Uh, Richie's lad, Rocco, had three parties at the weekend, one of his own and two of other people's. So it's fair to say, Richie, you've been, you were driving around to taxi uh, flat out over the weekend. Been right? all over the place, yeah. So uh, we've been really busy with the show this week, uh, but then when Richie told me that he had a bit of free time, quiet time for himself this morning, I thought, oh, fair enough, he's probably just going to chill out or catch up on some TV or something like that. Take it easy before heading into work. What did he do? It turns out, uh, and you can clarify this exactly what you did, Richie, you have driven an hour round trip to, to, to go and get some windscreen fluid. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I drove, this is, what, this is what I've been getting the grief over. I drove half an hour this morning to go and buy a very specific bottle of windscreen washer fluid half hour drive picked up the washer fluid came back so an hour's drive total yeah and how did you feel when you were driving the half an hour back with it like <laughs> clipped into the passenger seat <laughs> i felt great this is this is time well spent this i is felt good. great because i thought to myself in a minute i'll be able to screw out the fluid on the windscreen this this is really really good yeah i i i'm going to defend myself previous car I had to spend 300 quid on a service because the washer stuff yeah. had got uh, all clogged up and I got told I'd been using cheap washer fluids and I should buy this oh. posh stuff. So I've kind of, I've had my fingers burnt once. So I thought, right, I'm never buying that cheap stuff again. I'm going <laughs> to go and pick up this, <laughs> this specific stuff. A once bit in the whole nightmare scenario. I, I'm going to put it to you right now, as we stand, I think that is one of the longest journeys for one of the weirdest items. <laughs> I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> this bottle only cost £4.50. It was a half-hour drive for something that cost £4.50. i tell you what, right, I'll wager quite a bit of money that whatever the showroom you've gone into to buy that, they're all talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? When I went, they were listening to Absolute 80s and I said nothing. They're actually probably hearing this right now. I think they think you've been kicked out of the house, which is fair <laughs> enough. Look, I mean, if people listening now, right, if you've driven a long way, uh, I mean, you've got to respect Richie's kind of, you know, m- making sure that he's getting the right windscreen fluid. just wanted to clag up again. He's obviously been bitten before. But if you've driven a long way for an unusual item or for an unusual reason, please share it with the, with the show tonight. Baz Tweets got sent on a 14-hour round trip from Fife to Lincoln by my wife for a retro Urkel writing desk and chair oh, wow. that she'd bought off eBay. 
Sounds like Murder, She Wrote. Uh, Ian's tweeted to say, didn't Roy Orbison once drive all night? I think he did. Very good. Surprised he had the energy at the end of that. Uh, he had a pas- pasty at Kiel Services. It just gave him a little bit of extra. Uh, Chris says, I took a significant detour on the way to a holiday destination to have breakfast at a particular place. It was an overnight drive and a detour of about 80 miles along mostly country lanes. Two hours extra driving, but it was worth it. There you go. These are what we want to hear about. The long trips that you've taken for something very specific, very curious. Uh, David has tweeted us and has got in touch. I've told you how I spent half an hour this morning driving to go and buy a very specific bottle of washer fluid because of a previous problem with a previous car. I'm getting knocked for driving a long way for a very specific strange thing. David says, I understand your long drive. I had the washers fail because of a low quality washer solution that blocked the pump. I'm very lucky to have a very accommodating garage that fixed the matter for the cost of a box of sweets. Can I ask you all about this? Is this a euphemism or a code, you guys? They've got this problem? <laughs> no, there's nothing going on. Genuinely did drive for a specific bottle of washer solution. If you have found your uh, tubes a little bit blocked and it's had a performance <laughs> issue with you, do get in ch- touch with the show tonight, 8, 12, 15. Uh, Beth says, my mate and I drove a seven-hour round trip from North Devon to Southampton for a shop because it specifically sells American sweets. Oh, nice. Uh, Kenny, let's catch up with you. How far did you drive? What was it for? It was an hour and 35 minutes, around that sort of time, hour and 35 to hour and 40 minutes, uh, because we found out that there was a place in South East London in Beckenham called... I think it's called the Sausage Man or the Sausage I think I've been to that club. Like that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what I thought it was. I got dressed up and everything. So, what does the so, Sausage Man sell, Kenny? Really, really weird types of sausages. I uh, kangaroo. I purchased uh, crocodile. Um, they had licorice sausages there as well. Wow, and is this just for you to like have at home or are you doing a barbecue or something? You have people over and wanted to impress? I wanted to, yeah, I was doing a barbecue. I wanted a few people to try a few different things. <laughs> I'd say. Wow. wow. I, I mean, I, Tommy, this is the same question that I had to sort of ask myself. There, there was no chance that you could buy these things online and get them sent. It had to be that long drive for your licorice yeah. crocodile sausage. Yeah, you had to spend over a certain amount to get delivery. Wow. And what was the best one out of the lot, out of all those different flavours? What was the best one? Uh, Crocodile was all right. It was a bit tough, but it was all right. (laughs) There you go. Might drive them myself. (laughs) Kenny, put me down for a pack of panda ones. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Someone who's got in touch now is actually doing it at the moment. Uh, It's ongoing. Simon here. I drove four and a half hours from Berkshire to Lancashire to meet an an electrician at a house that I've just bought. He was a no-show, no answer on his phone. I've slept the night on an airbed, and I'm now driving four and a half hours back home. Now, that is a wasted journey. No way. That's awful. And I know you said you don't want to go into it about the screenwash stuff, but there are enough people getting in touch backing me up on my trip. So I do want to read out one more. Sam says, Richie, I've worked in the transport industry for over 20 years. I only use Scania screenwash. Buy cheap, oh, buy twice. Look for your local Scania dealer. It's cheap too. So this, <laughs> this gentleman, Sam, is suggesting I put lorry screenwash in my car. Tessa says, listen to this, I drove from Western Supermare to Basildon, which is three and a half hours each way, to buy an action man for my collection. (laughs) Love it! Love it! Uh, Brian, tell us about your drive then. Well, yeah, what it was, the owner of the company, who's Italian, uh, had season tickets for Chelsea, and it just happened to be Chelsea were playing in the Champions League at Stamford Bridge. But he was in Italy, I was in 
uh, Northamptonshire. So I had to fly to Venice and then go to Treviso, physically hand wow. him the tickets. And then, yeah, he got on his private plane, through to, flew back to Heathrow. And then I had to uh, wait around at the airport and get a budget airline. <laughs> Brian, were you concerned at any point that you might be a drugs mule? Uh, well, yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird one. <laughs> just, you know, early in the morning and then arriving late at night, just a day trip. I was expecting to be pulled by uh, customs, but I <laughs> he, wasn't. He didn't give you a duck or anything to hand over at the uh, meet-up or anything like that? Uh, there was a big brown envelope, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got some kind of promotion out of this, Brian. Are you? Uh, n- no, not really. Uh, a few years later, got made redundant. So. <laughs> oh, Brian, mate, come on, man. You need to you need to stand up for yourself more here. This is getting taken for a ride by this lot. If anyone asks you to drop anything else off at airports, travelling around, you say no, or you you ask for a price, okay? Oh yeah, of course, of course. I'll, I'll do it on a day rate. This is Bush and Rich's daily takeaway. We're joined by a comedian, writer, and of course. The man behind Alan Partridge, it's Steve Coogan. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, yeah. Yeah, pretty good, all things considered. Yeah. The, world, the world's going to hell in a handcart, but I'm, 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 I'm OK. Well, yeah, I mean, this is it. Let, let's talk about, let's get straight into it. Stratagem with Alan Partridge, live stage show across UK and Ireland. Uh, my God, don't we need a laugh and a bit of a distraction at the moment, as you just alluded to, Steve? Yes, good Lord. We, I go on the road in uh, six weeks, something like that, uh, towards the end of April. I don't know the, the last time anyone went to a live comedy gig, but it's nice when you hear other people laughing next to you. And so, I mean, my, my first experience of Alan Partridge was through Chris Morris's uh, brilliant The Day to Day, the parody of the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you feel at the moment that it's almost that, that almost predicted how news has become? I mean, it's very hard now to parody the news as it is because it's just so crazy. Yes, yeah, no, it is. It certainly did. I mean, that was, tw- crikey, that was 20, 28 years ago. And uh, yes, I mean, it, it, it was very predictive uh, um, that the, the, the sort of attention deficit disorder that we as human beings have developed, uh, especially social media, where uh, our attention spans are, are sort of uh, so fleeting that we need facts <laughs> and information constantly uh, sort of bombarded with, which is what part, part of the joke of, uh, of the day to day, which was great fun, you know, and, and uh, a really enjoyable show to make. We only did one series and it was great working with Chris. Um, when you make Chris Morris laugh, then then you know you, you've got a good joke because he doesn't suffer fills uh, gladly. Speaking of making people laugh and uh, and enjoying the whole process, have you had a favourite character to interact with as Alan? I, th- I think of like the likes of Michael and Lynn and Simon and Sonia back in the day, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, I enjoyed <clears throat> interacting with Simon Greenall, who played the Geordie Michael. That was always enjoyable. Um, it was always because it was sort of the blind leading the blind, yeah. And, uh, but uh, Lynn, it has to be it has to be Felicity Montague as Lynn because those that's such a complicated relationship, a really enjoyable one. But it's always it's a it's it's a it's a complex relationship. Yeah. They, he, they're sort of codependent. Uh, do you think she gets the credit she deserves for that comedy performance as Lynn? Because it's one of the most understated but brilliant comedy performances I think I've seen in modern years. No, she probably doesn't. You know, she's she's brilliant. She sort of uh, she elevates all the scenes that she's in with me as Alan. <clears throat> it feels quite real. You know, the relationship between Alan and Lynn. It feels real when when, when we're doing it. It feels like a, a real relationship. Yeah. 
I, I remember seeing uh, you doing Alan on stage and I can remember nearly bursting a blood vessel in my face laughing so much at Alan doing the Heathcliff bit out of Wuthering Heights. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Um, yeah, and the, the thought of something akin to that happening again would excite me greatly. Well, yes, there will be... There were, Alan will start the show with a, with a big song and uh, he will end the show Amazing. with a big song. There'll be a couple of songs in the middle. Uh, so, yes, there, there will be some big stupid singing. Uh, now, Steve, we're both huge Alan Partridge fans, but playing the character uh, for over 30 years, do you ever fall out of love with it? I imagine it's quite hard. You know, I, I did have that for a while when I was sort of treading water, not quite sure what else to do. And then I started writing drama. The first drama it was Philomena, and we got four Oscar nominations. So that kind of, like, set me free. Really, and since then I've you know I've, I've written lots of things. I've got a series on Channel Four starting soon called uh, Chivalry. I wrote with Sarah Soleimani about romance in the age of Me Too. So I'm able to do other things now, and uh, because of that, and then I don't mind going back to do poetry. I mean, it, you know, it does make, it makes me laugh too. You know, when we're writing it, we do cry laughing if we get if we come up with something good. You know, we just we, we chuckle chuckle throughout the day. We just sort of then have to marshal all the jokes and put them into some sort of shape. But now, I actually like I like doing it, going off and doing something else, and then coming back and dusting down the uh, sort of the, the Pringle sweater. And, uh, <laughs> back on, you know? uh, so yeah, it's I, I I'm in a good place with it now, where I can sort of visit it. It's like a like a relative, you know, a family member who you are fond of and you like to see from time to time, but you don't really want to live with. <laughs> uh, Steve, have you ever kept any of the Alan Partridge? Uh, clothing items over the years. You, you've worn some unbelievable stuff, uh, Chevron a- action flash jumpers, all this kind of thing. Have you, have you ever kept any of these things for yourself? The very first time I did Alan Partridge in 1991 uh, was in Paris Studios, Lower Regent Street, uh, old BBC Studios. And I'd never done him, I'd been on radio, but I'd never done him in front of a live audience. Um, people were coming in to see the recording, so I thought, well, I'd better dress up as him. And I went up to Lily White's and bought a Pringle sweater. <laughs> and then covered my hair over the top of my head, which was longer then, uh, before I started wearing wigs. And I put this this uh, sweater on, uh, and th- th- that sort of became, sort of was the first thing I put on, and uh, to sort of give him a look. And I still have that sweater. I should probably frame it, put it in my downstairs loo or something. It's, but I thought, well, that uh, I would never want to lose that. Now. It's quite. It's a really important. Uh, it's, I've got very a lot of sentimental values attached to that sweater. I'd never wear it in real life. It's horrible. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, so I've still got that. But if someone had said to you when you were going to Lily White's and buying that sweater that in in twenty five years time you would be touring him live on stage shows, culminating in in multiple dates at a twenty thousand seat arena, would you honestly have believed them? No. Although I do remember after the first radio show, Patrick Marber rang me up. I think I called him from a phone box. That's how long ago it was. Um, <laughs> And he said, that show you did tonight is going to change your, your life. This character is going to change your life. And I said, oh, wow. Yeah. He said, yes. And he said, in a few years' time, people will be shouting aha at you across the street. I remember thinking at the time, that would be wonderful. Uh, so be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Like I said right at the beginning, we need cheering up at the moment. Stratagem with Alan Partridge. Uh, what, what can you promise people then? They're going to book their tickets. What will you promise people when they come and see you live? The, uh, lots of variety, uh, lots of awkwardness, um, a little bit of anxiety, and an awful lot of laughs. And uh, don't sit too close to the front because I might uh, pull you on stage. And, uh, oh, <laughs> and oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
everything you'd want <laughs> from the night. Brilliant. Um, Steve, fantastic to chat to you. We're really excited. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Uh, you know the school with this week, crowdsource a movie recommendation based on your brilliant knowledge, based on a set of specific circumstances. It can be a bit of a nightmare sometimes trying to come up with a film. Normally you guys email us, but tonight we're going to try something different. Yes, uh, you would have heard earlier this week, uh, Dave Berry set the ball running uh, on the search for the best decade. What is the best decade? Uh, going to spend a few weeks trying to work this one out, uh, profiling uh, a different decade every week, Absolute Radio has a different uh, station for uh, every particular decade. Absolute Radio 60s available through your smart speaker. Just say Absolute Radio 60s, play Absolute Radio 60s and it'll it'll do just that. Uh, Tomorrow, here on Home Time, uh, we're going to have a little uh, hour-long party, final hour of the show, of just uh, your favourite 60s tracks that you've been choosing on our Facebook page. But tonight... On our Facebook page, you can tweet us at Absolute Radio. Pop us a text, 8-12-15. What is the greatest eight, a 60s movie? Do you know what? I'm going to throw my hat in the ring with... Uh, this is this is quite bad. I'm going to put in a film that I don't really like. Is that bad? Yeah, it is absolutely fine. <laughs> right, because it's World Book Day today, and we had to not only read this book when I was at school, uh, and we also had to watch the movie, and I hated it. So I thought, do you know what? I can't think of any other 60 film, 60s films I like. Because I don't really like black and white movies. Not all, I know not all 60s movies are black and white, but just to be disruptive, I'm going to put in To Kill a Mockingbird bird in there, right? Right. Because we had to watch that for school, hated it, sick of Boo Radley. Don't really like the band <laughs> Boo Radleys either, so it's just the whole package for me. I'm going to chuck it in there. <laughs> but I think this is very big of you because many people would acknowledge it as a great piece of work. Yeah, this is it. There's loads of people now thinking, Chubbush, that's a great film, that, and that's fine. I just hate it because I was forced to watch it at school. <laughs> I am going to put the start in of something big. 1962, the first Bond movie, Dr. No, Sean Connery, the iconic Ursula Andress uh, making her way out of the sea. It's an incredible movie, still absolutely brilliant, stacks up now, started something big. So I'm going to put forward Dr. No. Is there a better movie from the 60s, in your opinion? That's what we want to find out tonight on the Hometime Film Club. Ahead of our big 60s party with 60s songs that you've picked tomorrow after six, which is going to be great. All the sixes, not in a weird way. Uh, So your suggestions, please, for movies from the 1960s that are absolutely mint. Uh, Eddie wants to put forward the original Ocean's Eleven as a classic. Now, I enjoyed, obviously, the remake. Really liked it. So, uh, Eddie, I've not seen the original. I'm going to have to educate myself. Can I just say, I'm not a fan of that film, and I don't like the remake, and Don (laughs) Cheadle's English accent in Ocean's, whatever it was, 12, is one of the worst things that's ever been done in the film, (laughs) even though he's quite a nice bloke. I think Don, deep down, he knows that. He knows that. (laughs) Can I just say, we haven't yet found... We haven't yet found a film from the 60s that you have been fond of. I don't know if I like any of them. Uh, all those, I mean, Malky says on, on, on Twitter, Zulu, which was all right. I, I, the thing I've got uh, in, stuck in my head with Zulu is, uh, do you remember back in the day where you'd record a channel with, with your VCR and then if someone turned the channel over, it would change what you were recording? Yep. Do you remember that? Yep. So I, I remember recording Zulu and watching it and then my dad had come in from the pub right at the end and turned over to, like, check the sport or whatever. So we were, like, five minutes away from the end of Zulu. And I've never seen it since, because he flipping turned over the end of it. So I don't even know how it ends. So I think the To Kill a a Mockingbird from earlier, ruined by you studying at school, Zulu ruined by some kind of VCR incident, we will find a film shortly that you like from the 60s. 
Don Cheadle ruining Ocean's Eleven <laughs> like 40 years on. <laughs> What's your favourite film from the 60s? That's what we're looking for for tonight's Hometime Film Club. Going to be a stick tonight, only just because I don't really like that many films from the 60s. I don't like any black and white films. Um, Steve says, surely Bush must like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or The Sound of Music. If not, he has no soul. In that case, mate, I have no soul because they're both absolutely <laughs> awful films. Uh, Liz says, I can't choose between uh, Herbie and the Love Bug and Mary oh. Poppins. What, what about neither? Let's go for neither. <laughs> right. Let's see if Adrian can pick you up. Adrian, what are you going for? Well, I think it has to be 2001, because a lot of people wouldn't believe it was a uh, 60s film, really. really, really honestly, I, I like that film. I didn't realise it was 60s at all. I discounted it, because I, I just presumed it was 70s or beyond. Yeah, I know. It still looks good today, doesn't it? 1968 uh, is uh, the year for 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, yeah. with an IMDb rating, quite deservedly, of a very high 8.3 out of 10. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's still Adrian, can you, can you be honest with us? Be honest with us. Do you, I mean, I don't. Do you understand the ending? Because I think it's a great film, but I've got no idea <laughs> what was going on at the end there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's, it's more about the time continuum. You, know, you, you see the monolith all the way through the film. And, you know, at the end, it's sort of the whole thing comes round again to the beginning. There you go, he's just nailed it. Now, quite a few people are specifically pitching this to you, actually. I know we, we, we went in looking at this because of the best decade. It's not because someone has specifically emailed tonight, but you've you've been quite frank that you've struggled with a lot of these 60s movies. Uh, Martin yeah. says, here's one for you then, Bush, and I'm going to do the impression. You were only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off. <laughs> that is, that's a horrible impression. That's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. What do you mean? Do it one more time. Just do, do Michael Caine one more time. You don't have to say the name. People knew who it was. <laughs> you only supposed yeah. to blow the bloody doors off. Undercurrent of Forsyth, undercurrent <laughs> of On the Buses. That's what I'm getting from that. But thank you. This is all right, Phil. That's not bad. That's going on the list. Claire says uh, Spartacus, a classic of the 60s. I do believe our producer, Adam, is a big fan of that movie as well. He likes the outfits. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, Jamie, what are you going for? 1963's movie, our mind would be the original Jason and the Argonauts with Todd Armstrong. Fantastic. And uh, a proper Christmas film with that brilliant animation from Ray Harryhausen and everything. How come that's one of your favourite films then? It was actually one of the first movies I've seen where it was maybe about three, four or five. Uh, and it always just stuck and resonated with me. Uh, I've still got it in DVD in the house and I've now lost count of how many times I've seen it. Jamie, you don't sound like you were around in 1963 for Jason and no. the Argonauts. Not at all, no. I'm, I'm only 33. Wow, and it's oh, wow. your favourite film? Uh, yeah, I would say so, yeah. But when my mum used to go to work, I used to go to my grand's and she'd always have it on the TV for me. So, yeah, I've seen it pretty much every single day. <laughs> Do you know what the, the thing is, though? Even though that was like stop-motion animation with clay and all that kind of stuff, it still looks better than yeah. some of the CGI today. Do you know, it was so, such well, an amazing bit of animation from him, you know? Well, it does. I believe uh, I heard before that this movie was meant to be one of the, the marvels for the start-stop animation. It was meant to be, you know, the, the start of something amazing. Uh, and, you know, that always resonates with me when you think back to how good the, the motion capture was at the time for obviously being in 1963. 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, so it stands up well. 
When we were when we were thinking about doing this, we didn't know like I, I didn't know that many films from the sixties. I was wondering whether it was going to be a goer. There are so many great suggestions. Uh, the overwhelming favourite though has got to be Zulu. We've had a load of votes for Zulu, the movie that I watched I'd say nine tenths of before my dad turned over. <laughs> I ended up having to watch Sky News at the end of it. So I think that could be a winner tonight. Do you know what I mean? A good nineteen sixties film. Zulu it is, and maybe that is what you need to watch it again and exercise the problems you've had with that movie. And I just want to say a big thank you, Richie, for, for fighting the temptation to do a Michael Caine impression, because, of course, he's in Zulu as well, but I think these are different times. <laughs> they are different times, and I've had enough comments about the earlier Michael Caine. I won't be attempting that again. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. When I was at university, one of my best friends who I lived with at uni, Martin, Martin Napton, uh, made a big thing of the fact that he worked at Audi at the weekends, mm-hmm. and the big thing about him working at Audi is that he had to memorise all of the codes for all of the different items. Yeah, that was their thing, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so you, you had to type in like a five-digit code for like tin of beans, bread. It, you knew them all off by heart and used to regale them to us uh, in a pub uh, when we used to be sat there drinking at the weekends. Uh, and then it got to Audi uh, and they do all the speed things so they kind of zap it past the scanner but no no codes typed in. Mm. So if anything, they were just trying to go, uh, it was a battle of wills between me and, and the guy on the till you know, to prove that I couldn't pack as fast as he was scanning them. But I thought, is that like a lost art now? I don't know if anyone from Audi's listening. Is that a thing that any of the shops do? I like the idea of like memorising certain certain things for work. If, if you work somewhere and you've had to memorise something in your head for a particular period of time, and maybe it's still there, even though long since you've left the company, uh, let us know about it at Absolute Radio on Twitter. There's always been a seasonal thing that uh, I've I've been in wonderment of, and that is when it comes to this time of year and the Cadbury's cream eggs uh, oh, yeah. are out and about. Um, and you can see the shopkeeper um, who has got so frustrated with the barcode not scanning because it's a cream egg and it's foiled and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And they know what the code is that they need to type in. The other day, I was in one of the old supermarkets with the do-it-yourself till business. Yeah. Couldn't scan that thing. Was trying to unwrap it and make the barcode straighter. I was thinking, I need to I need to memorise this myself. Either that or knock the cream eggs on the head for this year. Well, you must get you make, you make a good point. There must be like people who work in shops where you've got certain items that won't scan properly. Yeah. They probably know what the codes are. They do. do you know what I mean, so uh, also want to hear from people who, if you work in a shop and you have a certain code for something that's happened on the aisle, but you can't say it out loud. There's a secrecy, isn't there, with yeah. the tannoys in in supermarkets? So a code three or a code four, or could Mr. Brigstow please come to the dressing room? <laughs> all those kind of things. Tell us about it. Flip says he used to be able to recall all the kitchen and bedroom stock codes when he used to work at MFI. From an 800mm drawer line base units to tall double wardrobes. The just, this generation have never had it so good. Very good point. And Roxy says, when I worked at Blockbuster I had an encyclopedic knowledge of who was in every film and what every DVD cover looked like because they were all day it was like, what was the name of the film with the red cover with that guy in? <laughs> essential essential information if you had to memorise anything at work. Uh, Tom says on Twitter, this is unfair, he says, I'm not commenting on your age, Bush, but perhaps this was before the days of computer how old do you think I am? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Kat says, I used to work at a well-known nuclear place. Wondering what that is. Uh, right. We had to learn the phonetic alphabet because your standard ABC got ignored during meetings, safety and whatnot, and all that kind of thing. Also, just a little bit of a nod. Taxi drivers. 
I know these yeah. days there are certain, you know, uh, there are certain groups of taxi drivers that don't necessarily need to do the knowledge yeah. because it's all app-based. Yeah. But I've always thought that the memorising of an entire city's, <laughs> you know, streets and all that kind of thing, without any A to Z, without any sat nav and all that, that is next level. That's above six-digit codes for a supermarket. Well, it is, it is, and it's even more impressive because they don't need to do it. <laughs> It's an absolute waste of time. It's like me memorising uh, a sequence of different cushions in uh, our care. Do you know what I mean? It's all on an app. Uh, Chris says, when I worked in Austria, I needed to remember all the prices of alcohol for the bar I worked in. I used to then have to add it up in my head and convert it into German. I'm still annoyed that a small beer was 31 shillings and a large beer was 41 shillings. <laughs> Those were the days. The Daily Takeaway. Richie's Daily Takeaway. So there you go. There's the Daily Takeaway for today. Sorry for getting so angry at the beginning of the podcast about puns, but do you know the reason it's so triggering for me? Go on. Uh, we, we go to the Pure, uh, the, the little cafe place at the end of our the road near where the radio station is to, to get coffees and stuff before the show. And every single one, they've had a, they've had a rebrand, and every single one of Pure's salads have been given a pun-based name. <laughs> Uh, and I haven't got them at hand now, so I can't, I can't give you an example, but they're at, they wind me up. Every time I'm in the queue to buy me and you a coffee or whatever, <laughs> I just look at the puns and oh, God, this is doing my head in. Maybe I need some kind of help, possibly. Is it my problem? <laughs> I wonder whether there is actually a, a, an actual phobia of puns. A pun rage. I feel like I'll get pun rage. It's like, oh, come on. It's easier just to say the name of the rap than muck about. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk if you have a name for the, uh, the pun phobia or indeed one that you'd like to share just to make someone angry.